0: Hello. Hi. <laughs> okay. Oh, I didn't
1: see you come in. Sorry, you heard me practicing for a play that will not exist.
0: <laughs> um, so I got a Christmas gift. What was it? <laughs> did I show you my Halloween costume first off? I don't know. You show me lots of things. What was it? Um, I was Jesus. <laughs> no, you did not show me that. How many years in a row have you been that? (laughs) Well, I never had. This is my first time having long hair. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I was Jesus for Halloween. (laughs) My roommate took a picture of me where I was like glaring into the sun. How you doing, Yuso? Um, And my friend took that picture and he put it on a candle that he ordered (laughs) online. That's great. And in Latin, it says like a Bible, like one of the most common Bible verses. Um, (laughs) And uh, this is what it looks like. That's fantastic. what is hey, not ear- that is amazing? That, is that an ear pod? That's just a reflection glare. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Have, dude, that is a re- that is really great. That is very
1: legitimately good. It reminds me of that one of my favorite memes is Jesus in that pose, basically, on a clock, and it says, Jesus, would you look at the time? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's just what? the best thing. Hey, what's up, Henry? Oh, it's uh, uh, Howard Skonky. He's here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Howard Oh, and then you were, oh yeah, and Mike Yeah, I was Mike Roggle Yeah, I was, the only reason I
0: remember that you called him Howard Skonky Is because I just edited that episode and heard it like 40 Wait, times Wait, I said Howard Skonky? Yeah Oh, man, that's great, I'm so glad I came up with that <laughs> Oh, wow, I'm, I'm proud of myself for that one <laughs> That's for good For some reason <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah just it's some name It's a very uh, Bill Oakley, Josh Weinstein type name
0: Howard Skonky <laughs> it's uh, my roommate and a group of my friends have just this internal meta that we've created mm-hmm. where we all just call each other ridiculous names or we'll just say ridiculous things and that's just there's like a trend of like how those names develop over time and like we were at a Disney Springs uh, last night and Carlos says to my friend Thomas he goes hey uh, name that fish there and he'll just be like uh angularis uh, Clarbombus and it's just like <laughs> why, oh. do you, why, do you, why do you come up with stuff like this?
1: Because you sent me that snap like what is that
0: fish? And then he just stared at you. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. And I thought you were making a joke on the uh, name a woman thing that we saw.
0: Oh yeah, no that was really funny. But no, it, we, him and I never even talked about that. Okay. But for those of you that are curious who, who did that video? The Billy Eichner. There was a video where he goes up to a woman walks up to a random woman, and he goes, name a woman. I'll give you a dollar.
1: Name a woman. And she's like, what? Name a woman. <laughs> he just keeps screaming it at her over and over, and she can't do it. <laughs> and then he
0: runs away. <laughs> well, she she runs away.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Because then- <laughs> he's and then so he's- upset. And he's, like, waving the dollar at her. I, was, I believe that was probably from Billy on the Street, which I've never seen, but I know it's a thing. Oh, so funny. How you doing, Grook? You should probably watch it, it sounds like, if you like it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's very it. funny. It was just something show. that came up on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. So here is an interesting thing that I came across recently. I was discussing with somebody the, uh, we were talking about game engines. And because I was talking about what the differences are between different game engines and why you would might want to use one over a different one. And we were talking about the DICE engine that EA uses for Battlefield and stuff like that, which is a gorgeous engine. It's one of the best looking game engines I've ever seen. And everything. It's always amazing looking. But apparently, it's, it's really, really good for very specific things. And in this instance, it's very good specifically for shooters. And so the fact that Mass Effect Andromeda was made with that engine because it was published by EA is one of the reasons that game wasn't as good as it could have been because the engine did not allow for it to be as good as it would have been on a different engine, more suited for that gameplay type. Which I thought was a very, very interesting thing. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, you can... You can kind of take a game engine and treat it as, like, I guess like the tools that you create something with, and and that's why like Unity and Unreal have their own feel and differences to them, but uh, they just thrive in having shortcuts to get to get the results for different things.
1: Well, and that's because my different friend and I were talking about. She was complaining about a lot of the inventory mechanics in the in The Witcher, and then we were kind of going back and forth in um, just different games that have weird inventory problems, like The Outer Worlds, for example. You can't sort by the amount of something that you have. Or, you know, things like that. And it's just like a lot of really weird things where it seems like it would be a no-brainer to make a game mechanic that appears to be missing from a AAA game. And just hearing that story about Mass Effect Andromeda and and it being engine-related... Makes me, you know, kind of makes me want to plug that into that complaint and wonder how many times something that seems like it's a no-brainer couldn't be in a game because of the engine that a dev, a dev team basically chose to or was forced to use to make a game that would have been made with a different
0: engine. See, see that's the other thing, too, because, like, I, I think that I feel like if you have a game engine, you have to make your decisions around what the game engine is right from the beginning um like I mean Skyrim for example imagine Skyrim with the same engine that Uncharted used like it wouldn't make sense really well that's the thing is like
1: I don't understand why because I don't know enough about the ins and outs of different engines to recognize why you would want to use one over another one and what the limitations within them actually are like I understand that 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 the dice engine is really good for shooters but I don't know why.
0: I would say this, like, games that are very specific to what they are, like, I know that's so vague, but take take a game like Uncharted and it has just, like, a lot of very specific cinematic features, mm-hmm. or or maybe even just, like, cutscenes, I don't know, anything like that. They They prioritize things like lighting and they also prioritize camera movements and stuff like that, and you can mm-hmm. probably... Just just from looking at that, or seeing that that's one of the strengths of the game, you can probably gather the idea that it's a lot easier to work on those cinematic kind of style cutscenes for a game like Uncharted. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do a game like Uncharted, you should probably use the engine that they used. I mean, it's probably proprietary. I don't know what engine they
1: it is, actually, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like the Naughty Dog engine or something. But
0: <laughs> Sure, the na- the Naughty engine.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one they've been making for themselves since yeah. shit, the beginning of time. I think they've been working on their own engines since Crash Bandicoot, honestly. But...
0: Yeah, I mean, Crash Bandicoot, when that first came out, was revolutionary for mm-hmm. how they were able to manipulate the system to get... That, that was like the best graphics anybody has ever seen in yeah. 3D. It's crazy that they've been doing that
1: thing for so long where they are constantly making games that look too good for them for their own good really like and i will say though like i've been i'm getting deeper and deeper into god of war i've been just really playing the shit out of it and it is insane how good that game looks man it is so good
0: yeah did i um did you hear about the glitch in outer worlds where a uh, quest npcs would die and Quest NPCs can't die. No, so, it's a really interesting story, but there's a glitch in the game that happened, and it was solved recently. But so, like, for the first three months of the game, there was this glitch that they—they they, I think they knew about, but they had to release it because of deadlines and such. Right. Like, you'll just you'll uh, you'll be in the ship, and you're uh, a, an NPC that's part of a quest dies, and NPCs that are part of a quest can't die, kind of like in Skyrim. Uh, Where they'd just say, oh, he's passed out momentarily or something like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, he had this whole, like, 20 part tweet where he was, like, explaining how he spent more time on this bug than any other bug in his entire life uh, (laughs) on any other game. Who's he? The
1: the, the 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 programmer that's working on the game. Oh, yeah, okay.
0: And it turns out that the. The reason it happened, it would happen when they were on a ship and somebody submitted a cutscene where uh, they went into dialogue and there was somebody climbing up a ladder, but they would would go into dialogue and the person would still be climbing the ladder, but because it goes into a climbing ladder state, it would (laughs) never actually leave the climbing ladder state, and so, like, you could be in the dialogue cutscene for like an hour but the person climbing the ladder would be like three stories through the roof of the ship still (laughs) climbing the ladder (laughs) so like the, the, the reason that was happening that it was happening is because the state that you would go into during the climbing state everything else in the game pauses around you when you go into that state but it just wasn't applied to the ladder basically I'd love to see it yeah, that, that's one of my favorite dev stories I've heard. Did you
1: watch? Did you end up watching the twelve-minute speedrun? I that? did.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I love hearing. Uh, AGDQ. Do you know what that is? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going on in Orlando right now, actually. Oh, cool. Getting to see like the game developers go over that stuff, and like even getting to hear Kevin talk about it when he joined us that one time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just the developers' thoughts on like the speedrunning side of things. Leaving stuff like that in too, like knowing it exists—that's interesting to me. Yes. How you doing? Oh man, I always mess up this name. Aminemini. anemone M- M- e. Thank you. I, I like. I'm. I'm always convinced that they keep on switching the letters of the M and the N. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> so you learned all that stuff about game dev fairly recently, didn't we? I think we talked about like game engines fairly. I. So I mean, we talk about it, you know, randomly. But I
1: just. I don't understand what about a different an engine would lend itself. Like I understand. Like even from the Uncharted example, like okay so that engine you know is primarily designed for camera movements and lighting and things like that but why where and what does that mean if you were to make Skyrim with that engine in my mind all that means is that Skyrim gonna look really nice but I don't see why you wouldn't be able to have the same
0: inventory or have the same battle system yeah.
1: like I just don't understand the yeah I mean
0: there's there's a lot of small things like the way that the physics work and like how like hitboxes mm-hmm. collide with each other how the dialogue system works and a lot of it is i think i think there's also a balance to strike with all of this too like i I actually don't know what the most central thing in skyrim i would say is It's probably the openness
1: open world the sandbox feel yeah i suppose because skyrim 2 is like skyrim's a two three hundred hour game depending on how much you want to do but you could also speed run the story in 35 minutes because that's like the story itself is really thin and if you're going to just play it for that reason Why would you do that? And that's why, you know, Outer Worlds, you could do the speed run in 12 minutes. Yeah. There's a couple of things that you heard the devs, because it was a really interesting situation where the devs were watching a 12-minute speed run talking about the things that the guy was using. (laughs) Yeah. And they were like, oh, I didn't know that you could jump off of that over that fence there, and stuff like that. Yeah. even still, the main plot line story elements are still only 12 minutes worth of content, (laughs) because open world games like that are really, really thin on story. For obvious reasons. Because,
0: uh, yeah, it's usually like uh, Breath of the Wild is the same way. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it is. Because yeah. the, the meat of it is... A little more by design. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, they, they definitely knew what they were in for in that sense.
1: Yeah, but I think with Skyrim, the focal point is the sandbox nature of it. The ability to wander around this giant place and constantly find new stuff that has nothing to do with anything. It's just part of building the world itself.
0: Do you think that's more so like the that openness is due to the quests and the people, or do you think it's more so due to the dynamics in the combat and how you build your character?
1: Um, I don't know if any of those things, I don't know, I feel like that question doesn't make sense. Um, the openness being, well, cause it's like, it's just a sandbox world, you know, where you wander around and you have, like you find a cave and in that cave you have a journal and a book and a cool, you know, a couple of puzzles with a cool big thing at the end after you kill this king of the draggers that doesn't have anything to do with the story otherwise. Yeah. And it's just everything's all these little mini self-contained stories that build this world rather than all being part of the same story.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Like, in, <laughs> it just reminds me, there's an Outer Worlds quest where you go to this dude's house. I think... I can't remember what the situation was, but you basically end up going to this house of this family and they invite you for dinner and you discover that they want to eat you. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and then you basically kill them all and take their stuff. But there's this whole, like, three three or four quest arc of helping this guy out and going back to his house and he's so thankful, please eat with my family, and then you find out that they want to kill and eat you because that, they're a bunch of weirdo cannibals and it's like, that has nothing to do with the rest of this game but that's why we play
0: this for stuff just like that. Okay. So it's it's more so the the world building through the NPC interactions, I guess.
1: Yeah, world building through side quests and Yeah. Yeah, things like that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And and maybe and it could be as something as simple as that. Like the way that how even just one small quest might affect the rest of the world around you or something like that. Or there's usually just like I the, the game engine is the tool. It's not really like the way the game turns out, I guess uh, it's a little bit of both, though, because the tool automatically reflects the end result of the game. But
1: yeah, like if you cut a board with a hammer, it's gonna look a lot different than if you cut it with a saw.
0: Sure. <laughs> it's yeah.
1: Go with tools. Tools and outcomes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, or the I think a similar example would be like cooking, like cooking eggs in an oven versus a stove, or
1: yeah, that's a better example. Yeah,
0: using a gas top stove versus a convection stove or whatever it's called like they're they're just slightly different results in like how they come out but each of them have their own advantage to how you want to cook something mm-hmm. or how you want to build the game out
1: yeah and i would imagine well and that's the thing that was strange for me too because the witcher witcher 3 specifically cd project red is like the only developer in poland they <laughs> they are a very important part of the polish economy
0: and You would... I heard heard that when the Prime Minister of Poland or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. met Obama, he gave him, like, a copy of The Witcher. (laughs) 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 That's great! I heard that. I don't know if that's true, but... (laughs) But, you know, I,
1: I have heard that, like, because CD Projekt Red is such a big deal in that country, that when those... When they put out a game, it does affect the entire economy of that country.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, for and, but sure. But that's the
1: thing: is like CD Projekt Red does like one, they do a game, and they do all these huge AAA games, and it's like they don't have to fight everybody in the world for this competition, at least within their own country. And it just seems like they would design an in-house engine for a game like that to make it so that they could get it to do exactly what they want. And maybe they did. And maybe that's why the controls in that game are so completely absurd. And no one's ever used a scroll wheel and the right bracket key for something in a game until that game. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's tough to know.
0: Do, do what what engine did they use? I have no idea. I have no idea. I would love to know. Let's look it up. CD Project Red Witcher game mm-hmm. engine.
1: And I do wonder, too, Like, are they going to use that same engine for Cyberpunk 2077? Probably. It's called...
0: It's called Aurora Engine. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Aurora Engine was developed by BioWare as a 3D Ooh. successor to BioWare's previous engine, the Infinity Engine. Interesting. And it was released in 2002. Ew! <laughs> e- well, it was, rele- it, was re- it was released in 2002. I don't know what that means. It could have been added to. Like, that's like saying the Unity, Unreal technically. Was released in like 1990 or whatever.
1: Yeah, well, that and that—that's another question though, because I heard that Elder Scrolls Six is going
0: to be the same engine that Skyrim was on. And Dude, and Skyrim was the same engine that Oblivion was on, right?
1: And so it's like, how do you? I don't understand. Is it because some people complain? They think that that's a terrible idea, but then you see how engines keep changing, even though it's technically the same engine. And I just don't know. How much can you? How many times can you cut and resew this pink Chanel dress into something new before it falls apart?
0: Like, <laughs> not only was it Oblivion, it was also Morrowind, though.
1: Jesus.
0: <laughs> Hold on, when did Morrowind even come out?
1: 1901.
0: Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I thought you. Were, I was gonna say, are you serious? But I, I, okay, okay, that came out in 2002. Morrowind came out in 2002.
1: So all game engines are actually from 2002. That's what we've learned today.
0: The, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I. Wait. It's got to okay. be yearable. I, I, thought, I thought it said, I, I, I was going to say, I, I read something about Daggerfall and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> but it's one of those things, though, if they did make a new engine, mm-hmm. how different would the newest Elder Scrolls game feel? Right. And also, would that be a bad thing? Yes, very true. And what was Fallout made in Fallout? Fallout has to be the same thing as Skyrim. They feel
1: exactly the same. They're practically the same game. Absolutely okay. the same engine. Oh, it wasn't.
0: Well, then never mind. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I just unless, don't understand. Un- how unless the out. other thing... Because they look, they use the creation engine for Fallout. Oh, no. Okay, they do say... Okay, I'm wrong. I'm okay. wrong. They say that Skyrim was the same as Fallout. And I guess Skyrim was a different one than... I, I forget what it's called. Gamebryo. Oh. Um, Gamebryo was the one that was on uh, Morrowind and... Okay. Uh, and Oblivion. So Skyrim but, was but i i heard that creation engine still was very much adapted from gamebryo
1: right and that's another thing too cuz i even remember i know that the lumberyard engine that ags uses was built off of the cry engine because they bought cry engine from cryojack right right and, and they just renamed it <laughs> basically yeah and then they I, I at least know one person whose name i will not divulge who was like Lumberyard is a big fat piece of shit. <laughs> 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 he does not love that he had to work on it so often. But I mean, I heard CryEngine was tough to work with too. And that's another thing is like, there's just, I have so many questions on the dev side. As the, you know, the further I get into the industry, it's like, all right, now here's all these questions I've had for 20 years about, like, why was the PS3 hard to program for? What's the difference between all of these engines? What does a dev kit look like? And it's just, I would love to know all these things. <laughs> yeah. Because it does kind of seem like, from the outside, that game development and the components that go into them and how new stuff gets made seems to
0: be unnecessarily secretive, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily secretive as much as it is, there's just so much yeah. depth to it. <laughs> how many people that have sold millions of copies using the Unity engine know the full ins and outs of the Unity yeah. engine?
1: Yeah, and maybe that is it, where it's just like, well, we could explain this to you, but we're not gonna, because it, because it's we don't. We don't it's impenetrable. Don't yeah, know it it's or like, it's what you've said a hundred times. Like, I barely know code, but all you—it's like I don't. <laughs> you don't. Don't
0: worry about what this line means. Just know. Just care about what it does, and like, <laughs> the, the sort of. I mean, the, it still is important to understand like what it does, but like for starting out, you just. Like it's like using plugins yeah. in Reaper or any yes. DAW. It's like you're not trying to learn exactly what it does when you're first starting. You you like the science would just go way over your head at that point. You just have to give a direction and tell people like the 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 knobs to make it sound good first. Right. <laughs> then you can kind of play around with those pieces after the fact. One thing that I
1: have thought about a hundred times that was reinforced by our January competition video. Is like I would just kill to have a consistent video series, either made by us or by somebody, where they just pick out a plugin and like this is the plugin that we're gonna look at today. This is what it does. This is how it works. These are the types of sounds that are most likely to be benefited most from this plugin. And here's all of the different things. I have never heard this idea from you. At least I would. I <laughs> would die on my feet to have this exist because I've wanted to do this okay. f- forever and ever and ever. And I oh, I've done have you told I me this I think before? I swear to god I've had I have because I've wanted to do it for so long but like the thing that really solidified for me was when Brian was talking about the berserker plugin and how when he said this plugin doesn't really worry too much about the transients but makes a lot of effects happen for the reverbs and the things that happen afterwards and I was like that's a golden piece of information that's the kind of shit you send to the bank that is I yeah. would kill for that kind of information on a regular basis because I learned yeah. so much about different plugins and different processes. Cause this is one of the things I brought up to you that I didn't really elaborate on was that the process that everybody went through to make those sounds for that competition out of those garbage squeaks that Brian gave us is a <laughs> different, God, they were the worst is a different process than sound design
0: in a more pure form. Oh, you mean, like, you can't really apply thematic sound design to right, that. Right,
1: exactly. That that seemed to be something that came much more from an understanding of production and repair and, like, sound manipulation versus, like, when I'm making sounds for Death Bulge, for example, I find and record the sound that I want that is the sound that I just, like, I want a sound that makes this noise. And so I find a thing that goes, and then I just change it yeah. a little bit, and then I layer it, and then you make a sound out of the layering versus I'm going to take this squeak yeah. and I'm going to turn it into a portal and that's a different set of skills. Honestly, I was trying to make myself feel better about how much worse my sound was and my how much lower my understanding of everything going on was than everybody else <laughs> in the video because I'm watching it like, well, I don't know shit about anything. I don't deserve
0: to be in this fucking industry. Like, <laughs> sure. Well, I think that one thing to say about that video in particular and like the mindset that you have to have for a sound like this mm-hmm. is to understand what the end product could be or have an understanding of how to approach it so well that because like my approach for it and I think Brian's approach as well was basically take any bit of animation that exists and add something to that piece of animation.
1: I agree and that I also like that approach but the thing that I really liked about Brian's approach was that he would think of something when he was like, and this is the sound of a a portal tearing open. It's a very, you know, aggressive event with a lot of power and intensity to it. And it's like, I didn't put any of that thought into when I was making a sound. I thought, okay, here, which, it was simply which of these sounds do I think I could twist around to fit this animation in like things that it shows and 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 the duration that it lasts. And, yeah, and he just was putting a lot more thought into it thematically than I ever did for it, and that was one of the things where I was like, no wonder I wasn't gonna, I couldn't compete well, in this.
0: I, I'm willing to bet that Brian probably tried things and then it made a sound that worked for that specific part of yeah. it, and then like, because that's kind of what I do. Like, I just, I just applied distortion to things and then it, I just put it in a spot and I was like, yeah, it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that that is that is
1: definitely the approach that I took. Was like, well, I'll. Every one of these is too high for what I want. I'm going to do a bunch of twisting. You know, I'm going to pull this, stretch this out. Pitch drop, yeah. pitch drop, pitch switch, change, ramps, all that business. And, and here's a an neat plugin. I wonder what this does. Poke around at it, and it's like, that's a cool sound. I didn't expect that. Oh, and it has this little neat sound at the end of it by accident. Like when I made the... <laughs> yeah, when I, one of the sounds that I made, it, it had like a... Oh, when the portal like would open and then reclose, it would be like... And then it would close, and again, it would go... Yeah. Be this high noise that just, boo. And it was like, that wasn't even part of the sound. It just appeared after I turned all these knobs up to 400. And so it wasn't what I wanted, but it's, and I don't know how I made it, but it's here and it helped.
0: Yeah. You did say that like Austin and Brian did something specific in the video. Was it that specifically that they like broke down what Um, they wanted to do ahead of time? Or was it like a... I don't know.
1: I'm not sure. It's tough. I'm not sure what you're referencing, but another thing that Brian did that I was like, "That's the kind of thing I would love to know." Is when he zoomed in on that waterfall graph and he made those little blocks of like, "I'm going to cut the highs out of this," and then he made oh. those blocks around them and deleted yeah. individual pieces on like a microscopic level to change the way it sounded. And it's like that's a hundred miles from what I've ever done. Yeah. So that's. But that's that. Like Rx but that. Yeah. But stuff. that falls yeah. more into you know sound repair, and and production stuff versus like well I would never need to do anything like that from the perspective of sound design because I'm just
0: not going to pick any sounds that have those noises in them yeah no that's very true huh yeah I guess I guess it really just comes down to how much you've explored the craft I guess or Mm -hmm. like what you've because Brian Brian has clearly done that before that's not something that he just pulled out right no absolutely not he would have had to learn it somewhere you know you, you, right right and and yeah just keep creating that's all you can do to get better yeah that's true I, I'm hoping that some people like got an idea for how to at least start their sound by seeing that video because I think that video was really helpful to see us make that sound before they do um, and like get some inspiration for it so yeah Henry Scott said what's
1: the challenge this month it's a uh, it's Rises realm warp from League of Legends. And it is, you use, there's three squeak sounds that Brian recorded from the depths <laughs> of Hell's Kitchen. Um, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay himself made the sounds. <laughs> they're absolute trash in every way, and you have to make them into something
0: worthwhile, and everybody can do it but me. So good luck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Henry Scott says uh, Brian's been recording Gordon, Gordon Ramsay squeaking. That's right, he sure has. Okay, well, we're at like 37 minutes. Should we call it for this one? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for joining, everybody. Appreciate you all. Uh, remember, we have a free course on the Blip Sounds website if you want to join in on learning some sound design or you know, if you want to take part in the monthly challenge and such, we have that coming around. So
1: Yeah, and then we are on Facebook in some capacity and Twitter and Instagram and all these places. And, and every place gets something different. So uh,
0: subscribe to all of them. Thanks for joining, everybody. We love you. Yep. Oh, uh, that's less... Oh, no. I'm sorry sad. to hear that, Kai. Are you, is everything okay?
1: Were you just hanging out like you got lost trying to go somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. Uh, oh, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my apology, Podium? Uh, you better believe yeah. it. The best kept secret in... <laughs> <laughs> holiday food, uh, hospital food.
0: Ooh, very good. Gordon Ramsay makes the hospital food himself. Mm-hmm. says, "It's a hell of a Excellent.
1: hospital."